Hi, welcome to the City View Phoenix podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. Hey, how's everyone doing today? Good? We all good? Wow, this is quiet for a second service. I'm going to try one more time. How are we all doing today? Let's go. Hey, so for those of you that are new, my name is Jared. I am not the lead pastor. That would be my man, Jeremiah Semler. Can we give it up for Jeremiah? But y'all are stuck with me too bad. So we're getting after it. Um, so many people have been asking. If you saw me hobbling up here, I'm sorry. That wasn't, that wasn't sexy by any means. But I made it up here. Um, I had a tumor in my foot. Uh, they cut it out. I, I keep forgetting this important detail that um, it wasn't cancerous. So praise God. Ooh, that's a win there. We can clap to that. Absolutely. Um, but how many of you are a little leery of going under general anesthesia? Anyone? Uh, okay. So let me, let, me help. <laughs> let me help that out for you. So I roll into the operating room about a couple weeks ago, and uh, they strap me in, which as I was getting strapped in, I was like, am I in a psych ward? Am I having a mental breakdown I wasn't aware of? Uh, no, no, that's just, that's just protocol. So they, they strap me down, and, and um, the anesthesiologist behind me goes, hey, we're going to start general anesthesia in just a few minutes here. I was like, awesome. Um, but as he said that, something caught my attention. I was like, something was like playing behind me. It was a song. And as it was building, I'm like, no way. This cannot be the song. Have you guys heard of the song by the band Europe, The Final Countdown? <laughs> the Final Countdown. And I'm thinking, whoa. I'm like, are we playing this song right now? And she was like, what song? As soon as she said that, I'm not joking. Literally, what song is it? And the same, at, at the, almost on a dime. The Final Countdown. I'm like, the Final Countdown is playing before I go under general anesthesia? That is sick. And she was like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Can, can you turn it down? And telling this other nurse. And I was like, no, 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 no. Guys, don't turn it down. Turn it up. Because I said, if I'm going to the other side, this is exactly how I want to go. I was like, if this is how I die. Now, as soon as I said die, everyone's like, Oh, bro, dude, don't say that in here. You're not, you're going to jinx it. And I'm like, guys, you don't understand. I don't care because the final countdown going on to the other side has got to be the raddest story of all time. Am I right? I mean, that is just no better way to usher me into eternity. So I'm reminiscing with my doctor about this. By the way, this has nothing to do with my message. But if I were to make this tie in, you got to give me some brownie points. So um, I'm talking to my doctor about it, and he, we were just reminiscing about it. And he said, he's like, hey, Jared, he's like, I actually had a patient who was, like, really afraid of going under general anesthesia. And he said, and the same thing happened to him. But he goes, guess what song was playing? I was like, what? He said, stairway to heaven. I'm like, that's amazing. I said, hey, at least it wasn't highway to hell, right? It could have been highway to hell. That, that would be the worst. I'd be like, oh my gosh, this is, I'm out. So whatever, you know, whatever surgery it is. But hey, welcome to week three of our series titled The Power Within You. Um, I believe God has a message for us today. Um, and I'm going to be your tour guide today. We're going to go on a journey. Uh, but before that, let's pray it up and uh, let's see what God does. So, Father, I just thank you so much for today, Lord. I thank you for every single person in this room. God, I just thank you for the stories that you're writing um, in each and every one of their lives. I ask, Lord, that, God, if you are to turn the lights on for anyone, if, um, 
if you are to, man, give them hope that they haven't had before they enter this place, if you're going to, if you release them of some burdens that they're carrying, Lord, I just pray that ultimately by the end of this, that they would all, all know that it is 100% you and it has nothing to do with me. And Holy Spirit, I ask God that you would um, fill this place. I pray, Lord, that you would kick up the dust specifically in your sons and daughters' hearts of their souls. Remind them of things that, that, they, that you have told them. Remind them of things that you've said that you're going to bring to pass in their life. I pray that when I am speaking, Lord, that things that don't even have anything to do with my message would come into their heart, come into their mind, that you would remind them again, that you'd give them hope again, that they would believe again, that they would trust again, and that just today would be a super supernatural encounter with you. I expect nothing less. I love you so much. We thank you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. When I was five years old, I was standing outside in this line, very, very frustrated. It was 1995. It was December. And I remember being very angry because I wanted to go home. I was telling my mom and dad, mom, dad, I want to go, I want to go home. Like, let's go home. What are we doing here? What is this place? And then I remember my mom saying, well, honey, this is church. And I said, well, what's church? And she said, it's a place where we go to worship God. And my response, even as a five-year-old, I said, I don't need God. Take me home. <laughs> and what's so amazing about that is I don't remember anything about being inside the building. I don't remember anything about the service. But I remember that conversation so, so candidly. It was so vivid. And the crazy thing about that experience was the building I was standing outside of was this one 25 years ago. And it's amazing that the God I spoke against, spoke against then is the one I'm speaking for now. But that, see, that, that heart I had in 1995, even as a five-year-old, progressed through my life. Everything was about, man, I've got to do this, don't do this. And it started to make what I thought was the faith journey miserable. Made church miserable. Everything about it miserable. And if you were here the last time I spoke, maybe you remember, I made my mom cry one morning on the way to church. I screamed at my parents, I hate God, I hate church. I tried to break their will, and I couldn't. Two weeks later, I'm sitting in church, and I'm sitting there, angry to be there, and there's a pastor who's doing announcements, and all of a sudden, the senior pastor walks from this back door, and he starts walking through the hallways, or through the aisles, and everyone's starting to stare at him like, what are you doing? Like, we're all wondering, and he walks down through the rows, he stops in front of my chair, and he says, hey, Jared, come with me. Now, my first thought was, shoot, what did he find out? You know, like, I was mad. I was like, did my parents tell him? Is this some divine spanking I'm going to get in the back room? I'm, like, really stressed at this point. So he takes me into the back where the sound and the video are, and he says, Jared, I just, think he, I just feel like you should just serve here. And my first thought was, anything to get me out of church, yes, I'm into that. So I am uh, serving, and, and I'm, I, I have no concept of a relationship with God, but I'm running music. Isn't that funny? It makes me remind somebody, parents, I think it's important that you should get your kids to serve because even though they don't believe, they are still in the environment where belief could become possible. So I'm sitting there and I'm mixing sound and our very own Amber Jones, our very own Kelly Orlowski, who has now moved to Tennessee, when they would sing, it would start to soften my heart. I, 
I don't know what would happen. I just, I mean, occasionally, if we're being honest, I might tear up, right? But it didn't matter. I never listened to any sermon. I went to college. My parents put a Bible in my apartment, which I thought was cute because I was never going to read that, and I didn't. I came back um, from college, and I found myself, um, man, I would sit with my friends, and we would watch football, or I'd be at parties. I'd be at a bar, and there was something gnawing within me. Maybe you can relate. There was something just like driving me crazy of like an inside pain in my soul that, gosh, there has to be something more than this. There has to be something more than tailgating. There has to be something more than than this life I'm living because I'm over it. I don't know what was happening. But as as that, that feelings progress, my buddy starts listening to this preacher. Now, this preacher was, uh, he was, he was apparently not a good guy. He was terrible. He's a terrible person, right? And so I wanted to tell him why he shouldn't listen to this pastor. Now, I never listened to sermons. I just wanted to listen to one to get ammo so I could tell him why. I was being a hater. So what happened was I turn on this message, this sermon, and I'm not joking. For the first time in my life, God spoke to me. I literally encountered God. It was otherworldly. It was crazy. In a moment, it's like someone, I was in a dark room and someone just turned on the lights. It was like I was seeing all of life through the universe of the color of black and white and all of a sudden, now I'm seeing in full color. It it made sense in a moment why you guys raise your hand while you sing. It made sense why junior high and high school students, they would come back from camp and be like, oh my gosh, I experienced God. used to be like, that is so dumb, he doesn't do that. But then all of a sudden, in a moment, in a twinkling, I, I'm on board. I, it, was, it was crazy. I was never searching for God. I was never looking for him. But holy crap, he was after me. So recently I, I, I run into my buddy who lost his job and, and we were at the gym and I, I decided to pray for him. And then he came up and he said, how did you get how'd you get to where you are? How'd you get this connection with God? And I'm like, oh, no, 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 bro. You don't understand. I never started any of this. And and I proceeded to tell the story that I have just told you. You see, in all the best stories, your favorite stories, your favorite movies, every single best story, the main character, the protagonist, is never after the adventure. The adventure is always after them. The adventure finds them. It comes after them. They had a stable world. Everything seemed to be okay, but then the world gets destabilized, and it's at this, there's a transformation that occurs at the end, but it all comes when the adventure finds them. You see, some of you, you're completely unaware of it, but the adventure, the faith journey has already started for you. You're just unaware of it. For some of you, you know you're on the faith journey, this adventure that God is carrying you on. And let me tell you, it is the greatest thing ever. Like God of the universe literally will speak to you. He does speak to you. He he does incredible things through you. The fact that I'm sitting up here is absurd to me. And this is the beautiful thing. Some of you, man, today could be the very day that God turns the lights on for you. God might ruin your life, but in a good way. So here's what I want you to know today, is that Christianity is not something you take up, it's something that takes you up. You see, when I say the word Christianity, though, for the remainder of this talk, I want to set some little guidelines. Christianity, let me let you know, it's not a religion. You see, because in every other religion, it's here are the things I need to do to get to God. 
Christianity says, here are the things God has done to get to you. In every other religion, every other belief system is I obey to the best of my ability. Hopefully, I'll be accepted. With Jesus, he says, you're accepted. You're loved. I've died for you. Now obey. Now follow. Now walk in who you really are. You see, our faith journey was never about what we did or didn't do to get to God. It's always been about what God has done to get to us. You were never looking for him. You were never searching for him. He's the one that came after you. So the backdrop of our entire sermon series, the power within you, is in Philippians 1.6. And it says, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. The question is, who starts the journey? God. Well, then who's supposed to complete the journey? God. So then my question is to all of us, why then do we always feel like it's up to us? Why do we always feel like it's up to us? We started to, we initially put our faith in Jesus, our confidence in him, that he's the one that needs to change us, that needs to kill the sin within us. But how do we move from that to, I guess I gotta do it on my own? How do we move from trying to pay back what he's already paid for? How do we go from starting to work for what he's already given? How did we decide, why did we decide to start trying to complete what he's already finished? You see, for some of us, you, the reason why the, this burden, this, this faith journey has become miserable to you is because you forgot how it started. The question is, why do we always think like this is up to us? The reality is, is because we don't believe Jesus is enough. And the truth is, for some of you, I wonder if that's the reason why you haven't been baptized yet. Could it be because you think that you have to clean yourself up? Like this is some, I gotta do more and not do certain things and that will get me in good graces with God? See, it was never about that. So I don't know what happens, but over time, for every single person that is a son or daughter of Jesus, a son or daughter of God, what will happen is over time, you will start shifting from putting your confidence in him to putting your confidence in yourself. You start to make the faith journey something it was never supposed to be. And so Paul rolls into Philippians chapter three. He said, there's one thing in your life, my brothers and sisters, that is making you strive, that's making you pull up your bootstraps. There's one thing in your life that is, a, it's, the, it's the root beneath all these symptoms of inferiority, of superiority, of apathy, of fear, of striving, of worry, of pain. He said, there's one thing that's blocking the power at work within you. And he says this, it's because you're putting confidence in the flesh. Philippians 3.3 says, we worship by the spirit of God in glory in Christ Jesus. And we put no confidence in the flesh. The question is, what is the flesh, Jared? I'd like to answer that. The flesh is simply anything outside of our union with God. So how the flesh plays out. The flesh births things like um, sexual immorality and envy and bitterness and evil and hate and all these certain things. But it doesn't just stop there. It also includes good things. You see, the flesh not only manifests itself in rebellion, the flesh manifests itself in religion. That's the crazy part about it is that over time you start to put confidence in the flesh and you start to experience these things. You start to carry a burden on this faith journey you were never meant to carry. And so what happens is we put our confidence in the flesh. It was we start to develop a religious mentality. Paul says this in verse 2. He says, hey, 
Look out for the dogs, man. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. He's saying, hey, y'all got to be careful about those people who not only believe, but they enforce that faith in God is based on what you do or what you don't do. They love to gather a list of, oh, these are the things I've done. Hey, at least I'm not as bad as that person. Hey, at least I'm not as bad as I used to be. And what they're really saying is, at least I'm not as bad as you. And these religious people, they love to use this as fuel for their their superiority-filled spirit. And here's the truth, is if you keep putting your confidence in the flesh, you can become the very thing that Paul is talking about. He says, hey, watch out for that faith. Watch out for that faith because there's no power in that faith. You see, when you put your confidence in the flesh, over time we put our confidence in what we do rather than what Christ has already done. Everything becomes about performance, whether I'm doing good or doing bad, and you're putting yourself on a roller coaster God never intended you to get on. Or even worse, we try to be who Christ in us already is. Here's how how that plays out. Is Jesus says to his sons and daughters, he says, you are pure. But how many of us are going, oh man, I'm going to get pure. I've got to be pure this week. I've got to do this. I've got to try harder. But listen, you're trying to be who Christ in us already is. You see, when God the Father looks at his sons and daughters, he sees you through the lens of Jesus and his perfect work for you on the cross. You see, some of you, man, God is pulling you toward a beautiful vision and this future that he has for you, but many of us are stifling it. We are swimming exhaustively against the very thing, the very grace, the supernatural grace intended to carry us, intended to embrace us, intended to change us, and we're making our faith journey something it's not. But here's the beautiful thing is if you're tired of the rat race, if you want rest in your soul, Paul says, I've got the recipe for you. He says this, he says, it's it's this easy, verse 13. One thing I do, I'm gonna forget what lies behind and I'm gonna strain forward to what lies ahead. So listen, if you are in this room and you wanna lighten your load on your faith journey, if you want to go back to the roots of reminding ourselves of what God really did for us, if you want to live that life, here's what you need to do. You need to drop your resume and you need to drop your performance. Here's why. Because if your identity is in your resume or your performance, rather than Christ, success will always go to your head and failure will always go to your heart. You see, Paul then, he starts teasing out. So, so what we gotta do? We gotta drop our resume, good and bad. So Paul's gonna give us a list of a good resume he has. He says, we put no confidence in the flesh, verse four, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. And what he's gonna say is, I am the most Jewish of Jewish of Jewish of Jew of Jew. I am that guy. He says, I'm circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. He's saying, you can't get more born in the family than me. He's saying, my resume is impeccable. I've been doing this almost since birth. I've been about this life. And here's the crazy thing, is he says this in verse seven. He says, but whatever gain I had, no matter how good my resume is, I count it as loss for the surpassing worth of just 
knowing Jesus. He says, for, that, for his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish, as trash, as... It's, the, the, the word there is really, really aggressive there in the, uh, in the Greek. And so here's what's amazing, is that some of you, can I just tell you what's so incredible, is you've come to know the Lord at an early age and praise God for that. Like some of you, I would call you out by name, like literally God just somehow has his hand on you. Like it doesn't make sense. You're a teenager or high school or a young 20 year old. And it's just like, how do you even, how are you like this? Like I hated God when I was in your shoes. It just blows my mind. But here's the thing you have to be careful of. Because God turned the lights on for you at an early age, over time, you can start shifting your focus to, oh yeah, it's all about me. And then, then you start manifesting religiosity and legalism and looking down on other people, but, but that's, that's not up to you. You're, see, Christianity is not something you take up, it's something that takes you up. Now here's what's amazing, some of you, like, your first words weren't dad, it wasn't mom, it was like Jesus. Like you just, like, you just kind of knew Jesus from an early age. Like for some of you, like you, you're like, I haven't missed church in, in over three decades and, and uh, I, I, did not, I did not have sexual relations with my wife until we were married. In, in fact, we did not even kiss until my wedding date, you know? For many of you, it's like, I pour over the scriptures every morning to my Starbucks blonde and my hot cup of Starbucks blonde in my Feed My Starving Children mug because I serve there on the weekends. Now listen, those are all great things. Like, let's be honest, but Paul says, who cares? Who cares? It doesn't matter. You see, whatever good comes from our self-help or self-improvement, they don't earn one ounce of the grace of God. Not just, not even one drop. So here's the, here's the thing you got to be careful of if you have a good resume is you might start to play the I'm good, I don't do this, I do this. And what you're doing is you're building a moralistic tower of Babel that will fall. Because your journey is always going to be about your rise and fall of your performance, your past, your history. You see, real good comes from coming to church. I'll be honest with you. The faith journey is really not that hard. God starts this crazy fire in people, and all you gotta do is literally just put wood in it. You're not responsible for the fire, you just put wood in it. It's, it's, it's very easy. So, for, like, practically, it says faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes through the word of God. So what does that mean? We just gotta hear God's word. Like, so if you pop on a sermon, if you come to church, all those things, real good comes from that. Real good comes from studying the word. Because Matthew 4, 4 says, Man, man doesn't live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Real good comes from being careful about what you watch, about what you read. But here's the thing. When it comes to that as a means to our righteousness, it always falls short. You see, you can clean up your life and supposedly never struggle again. But if you never get Jesus, you totally lost. You completely lost. And that's why following Jesus in this moment, in this season for you is miserable because you've started to make your faith journey something it's not. Because Christianity is not something you take up, it's something that takes you up. Now, some of you are saying, Jared, I don't have a good resume. My resume is bad. I have blown up my life, all that. But here's the beautiful thing, is even that Jesus knows. And here's the cool thing. 
So in John chapter 4, literally it says that Jesus had to go through Samaria. That's like me saying I have to go to Blythe, California on the way to Huntington Beach for a great meal. I'm not going to Blythe for a great meal. Has anyone been to Blythe? It's not, it's not the most beautiful place, right? He's going to Samaria because there's a woman there that has a date with destiny. So he's on his way there. And here's the amazing thing is he's about to have this conversation with this woman who has a terrible resume that we're going to read in just a second here. But here's the thing. In this woman's resume, she's had broken relationship after broken relationship after broken relationship. And here's the thing. Yes, there's an element of personal responsibility in us for those of us that have broken relationships. But I just want to, I just believe this wholeheartedly that this woman's life was littered with abuse. You don't have husband after husband after husband and not see abuse in that. And I felt like when I was writing this that I wanted to make sure I talked on this very quickly. For those of you that have had a story like that, I want to tell you that the most hurtful thing about abuse, about those things, it's not so much the abuse itself, it's the message within it. And that's in all of our lives. When a storm comes, when pain comes, it's not so much the pain, it's the message in the pain. It's when you're experiencing pain and the message that's whispered to you is God doesn't care, that he's not with me, that he doesn't, he doesn't love me. But that is not the truth. You see, many of us who've gone through, who've had a resume like that, we start to believe, oh, I guess this is the type of guy I deserve. Oh, I'm not valuable, I'm not worth it, so I guess I'm going to go after guys that just smoke weed every day, will never pray over me, will never love me, do not have a father heart of God, and listen, that is a lie. God has great things for you. He wants the best for you, and I'm telling you, he wants in this moment to crush that lie because it's not the truth, because you are valuable, and you have extreme worth, and God would so much leave heaven just to come down here, just to get you and so here's what's amazing Jesus is sitting there at this well this woman comes up and they start talking about water and he goes and she's just she's just like I can't believe this man not only a man a Jewish man is talking to me this is blowing my mind because what this is what Jesus loves to do he loves to break down barriers loves to break down walls so Jesus he's uh he's talking to her and she's like, he's like, listen, if you knew who I was, you would ask me for a drink. And she said, okay, well then, can I, let, let, me, let me get a drink. And then it says this, Jesus says, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you're right in saying I have no husband, for you've had five. And the one you now have is not your husband. What you've said is true. Now, when I used to read this, I used to think, man, that's really messed up that Jesus would say that. But here's the truth. Jesus was not saying this to condemn her. He wasn't saying to shame her. What he was saying is, I see your whole resume, and I'm still coming after you. I see all that abuse, I'm still coming after you. I see that you are outcasted from your family, I'm still coming after you. You might have done some crazy stuff in college, things that you are still ashamed of, and God said, I see all that, and I'm still coming after you. Because Christianity is not something you take up, it's something that takes you up. And here's the best part of this conversation. She never feels judged, never feels condemned, and stays in it. 
That's who we want to be. Anyone sitting across from me, someone that we can be listeners and we can empathize and we don't judge. And here's the best thing. The woman says to him, I know the Messiah is coming who's called Christ. And when he comes, he's going to tell us all things. And Jesus turns on the light for her, says, I who speak to you am he. And all of a sudden, her life changes. It says she drops her water jar, she runs into the town, and tells everybody about Jesus, and they all come back to him. And here's the crazy thing. People will not come to, they will come to church for your life, but they will stay for his. People will always come to church for your life, how you live your life, but they will ultimately stay because of his. And here's the thing. Many of us in this room have bad resumes like this woman, and you keep putting more confidence in your bad resume. Oh, God can't use me. Oh, he doesn't love me. But little do you know, God loves taking the people on the fringes of darkness to be his brightest lights. He loves taking those who have no business like I'm sitting up here, make people on the fringes of darkness be his brightest lights. Oh, God, can, he can do more than just use you. He loves you more than you can imagine. He sees how jacked up your resume is. He sees the abuse. He sees the shame. He sees the things you think about and the regrets you have when you go to sleep. And he says, I still love you. I'm still coming after you. And I am your God. And so listen, if your resume is good, it's always going to boost up superiority inside you. And for those of you that struggle with superiority because you have a great resume, here's the cure. Is you have to realize you have been saved by sheer grace, nothing else. And for those of us that have a bad resume, we can lead, it can lead us to feelings of inferiority. But the cure to inferiority is to realize that you've been completely accepted no matter what you've done or what's been done to you. So Paul says, throw your resume in the trash. My buddy was working at this restaurant and uh, the manager, I watched this kid, he comes up and he's like, hey, I'd like to work here. And the guy's like, hey, oh, oh yeah, absolutely. And then the kid left and he put the resume in the trash. I was like, that was so messed up. Like, you gassed him up, man. But that's what Paul's saying. Whether how good or bad your resume is, throw it in the trash. It belongs in the trash. But he says, not only this, drop your resume, but also we got to drop our performance. He says this, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. He's saying, listen, you cannot get better than me. I cross my T's, I, I dot my I's, I am the LeBron James, the Michael Jordan of doing good things. You cannot be more religious than me. He's memorized Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and I know many of you have started a Bible plan and you haven't made it past Leviticus. And he memorized it. Isn't that sick? He's memorized this thing. And he's saying, listen, all that, it's still trash. Here's what's crazy. As many of you, like, you really think that you're killing it. Like, like you're like, yes, I am the man. Like, I've got this. But the truth is, you're putting confidence in the flesh. And that's always going to breed religiosity, legalism, and superiority. And it lacks the Father heart of God. You see, you'll never get to God based on what you do or what you don't do unless you do it perfectly. But we've all fallen short. And so religious people, what happens is they start to become legalistic. And once you start becoming religious and legalistic, it's not about relationship, it's about rules. And legalism isn't obedience, make no mistake, it's just pride cloaked in religiosity. 
That's all it is. So Paul says this. He says, listen, for by grace you've been saved through faith. And guess what? It's not of your own doing. It's a gift of God. Why? So that no one would boast. I love Frederick Buchner says this. Grace is something you would never get but can only be given. There's no way to earn it or deserve it or bring it about any more than you can deserve the taste of raspberries and cream or earn good looks. I love that so much. I'm like very specific on the raspberries, but now maybe starting me thinking, right? And so here's the reality. We don't, be, we don't behave to get saved. We believe and receive. The truth is we don't, you can't do enough good things to get to God, which means you can't do enough things to, to not get to God, to lose him. So whether you're on the good side or the negative side, your success or failure, God says, nope, it doesn't matter. It's about putting your confidence in me, not yourself. You see, for those of you that maybe you got dragged here to church and you're like, I hate this whole experience. I hate you, Jared, talking. I think you're dumb. Whatever the case, here's the truth, is that you might be stubborn to rebel against God, but God is ever more stubborn to love you. He's ever more stubborn to keep coming after you because Christianity is not something you take up. It's something that takes you up. Not because you're great, because he's great. So what does Paul say? He says, let's forget what lies behind. Let's strain forward to what lies ahead. Let's forget our resume. Let's forget our performance. And this is not my notes, but I feel like I need to say it. In Hebrews 12, it says this. It says um, that we need to lay aside every weight and sin so that we can run the race God has for us. Here's the truth about that. I can tease out sin, but we all know what you, like, you know what you struggle with. I don't need to talk about it. We all know. We're like, yep, nope, I, it's right here. But let's talk about weights. It says weight and sin. That means there is something that's not, it's morally neutral, but it can be a weight to your journey. It can douse the spiritual fire within. It can block the power at work within you. For me, as an example, I love comedy. I love comedians. They're the greatest communicators of all time. But here's what I have to be careful of. Here is a weight for me. I might start laughing at things that break the heart of God. I might start thinking stuff is funny. I might start to get jaded from the world. I'd stop having that same love that the spirit is trying to work within me. And for many of you, it's something else. It's something morally neutral, like Netflix. Netflix is morally neutral. It's not a bad thing. But if that's the thing you feed yourself with every single day, like you come into work on Monday morning and they say, hey, how was your weekend? You say, oh, I, I finished Netflix. I finished Netflix. All of it? Yeah, all of it. It was crazy. I just couldn't stop watching. And it's just like, like there are things that you're watching, even shows you like, you know, they dampen the spiritual climate of your soul. You know it. Like there's some, some people that say, this is my favorite show, and I start watching, and I'm like, this is, this is not good for my soul whatsoever. It's like going to an R&B concert as a single guy. It's like, what are you doing? Like, like, what is that going to stir up in you? It's not going to be like, God, I can't wait to, uh, I can't do anything because I'm single. Like, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you're dampening things that God is trying to do within you. So God is saying, listen, drop your resume, drop your performance. And I want to add, drop your weights. Because Christianity isn't something you take up, it's something that takes you up.
So Paul says this, listen, I count this all as lost because I just want to know who Jesus is. I want to know the one who provides for me. I want to know the one who cares for me. I want to know the one who turned on the lights for me when I never deserved it. I just love it. And you got to ask, why would Paul say this? The reason is because he's always captivated by how and who he was when God found him. Because for those of you who don't know, this guy, he was a terrorist. He was killing Christians. He literally got this guy stoned. In fact, he not only had them stoned, he said, hey, take off your jackets. I want to make sure your miles per hour go higher on the rocks. Pretty messed up, right? And here's the crazy part. He is on his way to getting more Christians. It says he's breathing murderous threats. But here's the thing. (laughs) I just love it. But God was up. He was upstairs in heaven, and he had the divine boombox playing, and guess what song he was playing? It was the final countdown, because it was because Paul's final countdown, it was, the clock was ticking, the time was going up, where he's going to go, all right, Paul, that's enough, because he says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. While we were at our very worst, he goes, boom, now I want him. And here's the amazing thing. He's on his way to persecuting Christians, and then God turns on the light. He says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he says this. He says, who are you, Lord? And he says, I'm Jesus, the one you're persecuting me. Literally, Jesus changes everything. Here's the question. What did, Jesus, what did Paul do to experience Jesus? Nothing. In fact, he was going the opposite way, the hardest you can go. Some of you, you think you're going hard the opposite way. Paul's like, I went even harder. And this is the most amazing thing, is that Jesus was still coming after him. Because Christianity isn't something that you take up, it's something that takes you up. The faith journey was never about what we did or didn't do to get to God. It's all about what God has done to get to us. That's why he says, I count everything as lost for the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus. If you're in this room and say, I have never been on fire for Jesus, it's because your confidence is in the wrong thing. Paul says, listen, all this stuff is an L to me. I'm taking a loss on this. Because I just want to know the God who spoke to me, the God who came after me, the God who rescued me. That's where the power is. The good news is this, is that you and I are more evil, wicked, and sinful than we would ever dare imagine. But we are more loved and accepted in Christ than you could ever dare hope. He sees all of it and he still comes after us. And that's why I love Jackie Hill Perry says this in her incredible book titled Gay Girl, Good God. She says this. She says, who gave mercy my address? Who gave mercy my address or told it how to get to my room? Didn't it know a sinner lived in it? And that quote always wrecks me because that's how I feel. I'm like, who gave God my address to even want to know me? And I wonder, do you have the same yearning in your heart? Isn't that amazing? Who gave mercy my address? That's why Paul's saying, I count this all as loss because he's the one that came after me. And I love this. It says this, but I press on, he says in verse 12, to make this my own. What is he making his own? He just wants to know Jesus because Jesus has made me his own. Listen, we don't take hold, God doesn't take hold of you because you took hold of him. He takes hold of you so you take hold of him. It's reverse. God's the one that came after you, so take hold of him. You see, self-improvement, I love self-improvement. The problem is it starts with you. 
But Christianity starts with him. Because Jesus says, no one can come to me unless the Father himself draws him. And so Paul ends at this. He says, not that I've already obtained this or I'm perfect. He goes, listen, I'm not there yet. I'm in process. I'm in process like you. I don't really know God like I want to know him. I just want to know how deep his love is, how wide it is. I want to know why would he come after me? Didn't he see what I did last week? Didn't he see what I did the past decade when I walked away, when I kept choosing drugs, when I kept choosing alcohol, all the people I've slept with, the abuse in my background? Don't you? Come on, man. Jesus is like, no, I see all that. I'm still after you because it never started with you. It always started with me because I love you so much that I'm going to die for you. I'm going to leave the comforts of heaven just to come to you. And you might trample on my cross. You might fall, but listen, I will be there to pick you up. And so I love this man. We're grabbing hold of the one who grabs hold of us. And this is what's so amazing is, is if our boat capsizes, and you're 50 yards short, and I'm 500 yards short, the truth is we are short from the shore. And the truth is for some of you, you're like 500, how about 5,000 miles, Jared? You don't even know my background. But here's the amazing thing. This is why Jesus had to die. Because for some of you, you might have lived a really good life and you are only 50 yards short. But some of us, we've blown up our life, terrible decisions, and we go, man, I am so short from shore. But listen, short is short, 555,000, it doesn't matter. That's why Jesus had to come. That's why Paul's so fired up. He's saying, man, I just want to know him, man. Oh, I just want to know him. Mercy gave came my dress. He came knocking on my door. He's saying, man, I just, I'm just remembering the times when he spoke to me when I, when, I, when I never heard his voice. I'm just remembering the times when I couldn't take one more step and he still came after me. I'm just remembering the times when, when I had no hope. I had no hope and he said, I give you a hope. I just remember the times when he, I said, man, I couldn't, I, you can't use me. He says, no, son, daughter, go. I got you. Run, run like a child. Go, get on the bike. Go forward. I got you. That's why he says, man, if heaven wasn't real, Christ is all I need. Because he's that good. He's the one that grabs hold of you because Christianity is not something you take up. It's something that takes you up. Because this faith journey, remember, it was never about what we could do or not do to get to God. It's always been about what God has done to get to us. So what do we do? We drop our resume, drop our performance, drop our weights, throw it in the trash. Because if our life is built on that, success will go to our head, failure will go to our hearts. Listen, you never started this fate journey. God did. So let him bring it to completion. He's the author and the perfecter of our faith. So let him do his work. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you so much for today. I ask God that you would speak to us. For those of you that are followers of Jesus, I ask that you would do this with me. I ask that you would ask, if you are a son or daughter of God, just ask the Holy Spirit right now. Holy Spirit, what do you want me to know? For some of us, the Holy Spirit is going to bring to mind, oh, I've been putting confidence in that. I've been... Uh, maybe I should stop doing that or maybe I should start doing this Holy Spirit what do you want me to know and if you don't feel anything or 
something come to your mind in this moment, listen, it's okay. It doesn't mean he's not speaking. You can drive home and he might speak to you there. He will speak. He's going to speak to you. So Holy Spirit, what do you want us to know? But now if you are a follower of Jesus, I wanted you to ask, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Are you calling me to something? Is there something I need to step forward in? Is there something I need to trust you in? Have I been putting my confidence in something else? Lord, help break that now in this moment. But now with every eyes closed and heads bowed, I want to lead those. If you have never put your faith in Jesus and maybe today the lights have gone on for you, I want to lead you in a prayer. There's nothing special about the prayer, nothing magical about it. It's just me giving you words to talk to God. Pray with me if this is you. Father, thank you so much for dying for me. Thank you so much for sending your son, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, I am, I am a sinner. I have fell short. And Lord, I confess my shortcomings. But Lord, I believe that you are the rescuer. And I would end with this and say, Jesus, I give you my life. Lord, we thank you so much for every single person in this room. I ask, Lord, for those that are getting baptized today, Lord, that your outside voice would be louder than ever. I pray, God, that in that water that you would speak to them about who they are, about they are pure, that they are loved, and that, man, you have an incredible plan for them. I pray for every single person in this room that maybe has been putting confidence in the flesh. Lord, I thank you for the redirection of putting our confidence in you. And I ask, Lord, that as we sing this song, King of My Heart, Lord, I pray that you would be the King of our heart. Lord, that you would give us a peace, that we would celebrate and rejoice that you are good, that you are good to us, and that you are good at being God, that you're going to finish what you started, that you are doing a work, that the things we're struggling with, you are going to kill it, that you are going to make us new from the inside out. We love you so much. Ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, check out our website at cityviewphx.com or download the CityView app on the App Store.